This episode contains some swear words and one or two mild references to drug use, which might strike you as odd for a linguistics podcast, but personally I think it only adds to the scientific merit of this research output. This is Accentricity, a podcast where I examine the eccentricities of language and identity. This is episode three, singing voice, speaking voice. In this episode, I'll be asking, why do so many of Scotland's most famous singers perform with accents that don't sound particularly Scottish? How's this changed over the past 30 years? And what is the connection between your speaking voice and your singing voice anyway? Do you want to just introduce yourself? Yes, I'm Justin Curry. I sometimes play in a group called Delimitri and I uh, write songs and make solo records. When Justin started playing gigs in the early 80s, he didn't feel like singing in a Scottish accent was an option at all. And secretaries turn off typewriters and put on their coats. No music I like was sung in a Scots accent at all, you know. Um, you know, the only things sung in a Scots accent would be if you turned on some desperate, tartan, shortbread music show on the telly, like Thing Me Jig or something, and it would all be that sort of very exaggerated kind of Scottish, Donald Bears, your trousers sort of nonsense, you know, and that was just the complete anathema to people like us, you know. Gentlemen, time please, you know we can't serve anymore. Now the traffic lights change to stop when there's nothing to go. At that point, most Scottish pop, rock, indie, alternative and punk singers sang in accents which were very different from their speaking voices. The accents singers tended to use were somewhere between Southern British English and American, often referred to as transatlantic accents. Justin was also really influenced by punk music with its roots in London. So yes, I never figured out, because when I first started singing in a band, I sang in a really crisp, clear English, very English accent. And I don't know whether I got that from the punk records I was listening to and the post-punk records I were listening to. Because punk, a lot of early punk was very, quite almost cockney, it was very broad, sort of London. And it's, it's, it's kind of embarrassing to listen to now for me, because it's like, what am I doing? What the fuck am I doing? To some it might seem like an odd decision to manufacture a singing accent different from your speaking accent. But to Justin, it made musical sense. In an English accent, it's shirt or skirt. On the whole, I mean, that's a sort of broad, mm-hmm. southern kind of pronunciation. Whereas in Scotland, it'd be skirt and shirt. So you'd find yourself singing the consonant rather than the vowel. So you're going skirt rather than skirt, which has got more note in it. The vowel's got all the note. I mean, the other thing, which is a purely technical thing, is that you're trying to hold the note. You know, the note's as important as the word in a song because it's, you know, song lyrics are not poetry. They're nowhere near poetry. The mel- the, the note is terribly important to the meaning of the word and the, and the nuance within the, the lyric. So a lot of the time you're, you're seeking the mouth shape just to get the note out. And obviously, because I wrote the words, I was terribly, you know, I thought I was a, I was a teenage poet and all that, all that waffly Oscar Wilde nonsense. Um, so... It was very important that people understood what I was saying. So there were practical elements to Justin's choice not to sing in a Scottish accent. But there was also another element. It's a difficult thing to sing in a Scottish accent and not sound cheesy because of its associations with 
tourism and, and just and kind of rubbish tartan nonsense, you know. And I certainly would, if I heard a track back in the studio that, where I felt that too much of my own voice was coming through, I would try and sing it differently. Talking to Justin about his singing voice is really interesting because it's obviously something he's thought about and worked on a lot over a number of years. For him, Scottish accents just aren't any good for the type of music he wants to make. In the 80s and 90s, a lot of Scottish musicians felt the same way. Scottish accents were alive and well in the folk scene. And in the late 80s, the Proclaimers hit the charts with their songs 500 Miles and Sunshine on Leith, sung in recognisably Scottish accents. Although they made it into the pop charts, many people still thought of the Proclaimers as a folk or folk crossover band. So it caused a bit of a stir in 1996 when a new band emerged, performing in distinctly Scottish accents, but releasing tracks that were decidedly not folk songs. Then on Friday night we went through at the Arches. Hello, my name's Aidan. Hello, hello. One, two, Aidan Moffat coming at ya. There was only one car going, so someone had to get the train. We got through quite late. And we went to a pub to take the gear. There was no problems getting in. We saw others waiting in the front of the queue, so we skipped in. Aidan Moffat, along with his friend Malcolm Middleton, formed the band Arabstrap when they were in their early 20s. Their first album, The Week Never Starts Around Here, was a collection of songs and stories centering around their hometown of Falkirk. The first single to be released was The First Big Weekend. I didn't want to look at it, so we left and got a taxi back to Morag's flat. I couldn't sleep, so I started about drinking someone else's strawberry tonic wine and tried to keep everyone else up. Well, what happened was we'd already finished the album and we had a tune that we had no words for. And I just thought, you know, I'm just going to write about what happened at the weekend. I can't mm. really be bothered thinking of anything. It is. And it just, it, you know, it was just a very natural thing to do. It was a wee throwaway track, a wee, it was going to be a B-side and stuff, and it just turned out a bit better than we thought it would. You know, it would be mad to write a song about folk and sing it in American accent, certainly. And that would be very, very it'd be creepy, if anything. Else. So, was it something you talked about, or? It was never really talked about. No, I think. I mean, when we first started, we went to a mate's house, did a couple of wee tracks on, the, on a four track, and I just did what came naturally. Then we walked through the woods to look at the tomb. It was a big disappointment, but the mist on the lake was cool. You know, I think it was never, there was never a manifesto or, a, no, or anything no. like that. You know, we never really thought about it. But it's only later on when you look back and you kind of understand what you were trying to do. So. And like what? So what would you say now that you were trying to do at that point? Well, definitely, as I was saying earlier, it was just about uh, having a voice that was, in a sense, more authentic and more about the place that I came from. I wanted to write about the world that I knew, and I wanted to write in the language that I used, which was very important. I mean, swearing and all. You know, there's a there's a lot of swearing on those records, but that's just a natural. That seems to be a national Scottish thing, you know, we we, uh, we do like a, a good effort. But, um, you know, I think um, it, it was just all about uh, trying to be as honest as I could. 
Most musicians start out modelling themselves on their predecessors, but Aidan entered the music scene knowing that he wanted to do something a little bit differently. So I, I mean, there wasn't a lot of Scottish stuff on my radar, and a lot of it, I mean, to be honest, a lot of that was to do, I think, that I felt there was a certain unbelievability about it. Like, I've never... At the Primal Scream, for instance, like I've never been a big fan of Primal Scream. I mean, I like Scream of Delica. Everybody likes Scream of Delica. But, you know, all that that sort of country soul stuff they did afterwards, it just seemed a wee bit, I don't know, unbelievable to me, you know? I mean, I know who Bobby Gillespie is. I know where he's from. And there was just something about that that it just seemed like someone playing with someone else's music, you know, and I didn't really, I couldn't really relate to that. So most of the stuff I listened to at that age, the informative years, you know, is just before I started to make my own music would have been American records, I. Like Justin, he was aware that Scottish accents weren't really thought of as being suitable for music outside of the folk scene. But unlike Justin, he couldn't see why not. None of them, none of these Scottish bands in that scene at that time were really doing anything that I felt sounded especially Scottish and it was quite a conscious uh, decision to to stick with the, the voice that I, I use and be as natural as I could be. For Aidan, singing in a Scottish accent seemed like the most honest and authentic thing to do, but that didn't necessarily mean it was the easiest thing to do. I mean, obviously it's different now, but back then it just wasn't a, a thing you would hear very often, a Scottish accent anywhere on, on music you'd, or on the radio singing, you know, it was just, you know, you you just become used to that, you know, you, and I think, as you say, it, it, it seemed a bit odd. I mean, the, even the Proclaimers seemed like a a very strange thing to hear on the radio back then too. It's, um, you know, aye, definitely, you, you don't expect it, so you kind of you kind of feel a bit strange on it when you hear it, I think, aye, yeah. I find this so interesting. The authenticity and naturalness might not always be the same. Another blowhead deskill, another sniffer romance I'll forget. We promised to ourselves before we came in. We do something we regret. These people if we're not used to hearing people singing in Scottish accents, and singing in a Scottish accent is probably going to be hard to do and feel a bit strange. That leaves us with two choices. To model our singing voices on accents really different from those that we speak in, or to push through the strange feeling to a place where our singing and speaking voices line up more. Linguistics, audience design theory, is the idea that when we speak, we model our speech in relation to our listeners. Either the people that we're really talking to, the people standing in front of us, or our imagined audiences, the people that we're talking to in our heads. When it comes to performing music, the idea of who we're talking to, who our imagined audience is, is complicated by a lot of extra factors. Do you think that ever sort of played into the decision, like who you were singing to when you no, started singing? No, because if I thought if I had any business sense before I started, <laughs> I would have put on an American accent. No. Arabstap did tour all over the world, and Aidan never modified the way that he performed the songs. But Justin from Delamitri made some very different decisions when it came to breaking America. 
my singing accent became more American. I, I think that was possibly an amb- to do with a, 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 actually commercial ambition. I mean, I wouldn't have, I didn't make a, I didn't make a deliberate conscious decision, but I think it wasn't completely a, a natural morphing into something else. I think it was this will play in America. Yeah, and that, that, I mean, that changed my voice just because it, it just had a huge influence on the way, I, the way I sang. I became, I just became less puritanical about what I could have, couldn't, or how I couldn't, could have, couldn't sing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who cares if you sound American? You like American music, it doesn't matter. So it sounds like it was a business decision that Justin made. But it seems to me that there's also something about his relationship with his accent that made it possible for him to make that decision. If I go to, go to America now, I speak in an American accent to people, especially white people that don't fucking listen to other accents, I speak in an American accent just so I can get by. You know? mm. um, I mean, some people think that's sort of selling out, but to me that's just quite sensible communication. It's like if I get in the back of a taxi or if, if I'm going to order some water in a restaurant, I'm not going in, in America, I'm not going to say... And could I have some water? Because they won't know what I'm talking about. If I say, can I have some water? Then they know what I'm talking about. Mm. So it just seems quite practical to me. And other people find that utterly loathsome and contemptible. <laughs> I think, why? I mean, if you're going to speak Italian in Italy, you're probably going to put an Italian accent on. If you're speaking English to people who don't understand your accent, just change your accent. After Arab Strap, a new generation of Scottish bands emerged who delivered their music in Scottish accents. This is something that Justin doesn't feel entirely comfortable with. There was just a wave of bands in the, God, about maybe 10, 15 years ago, maybe the early zeros, maybe mid-zeros, I'm not sure, who had really made that decision to sing in a, a Scottish accent. Um, and so it became a bit of a trend, which worried me slightly. But then again, you know, I probably sang in an English accent in, in the early 80s because I felt it was fashionable or something, you know. So I can't really blame them. <laughs> uh, I worry sometimes about... Some contemporary artists, not all contemporary artists, some sing in Scottish, I'm talking about Scottish contemporary artists, some sing in Scottish accents naturally, and it's great. But some do, I kind of, it's artifice. They're doing it for cultural reasons and intellectual reasons rather than it's just the way it comes out. And I'm I'm very suspicious of that, actually. But Aidan sees it as more than a trend and something more than an artifice. You know, it's, it's carrying over and people are more accepting, have more acceptance of different voices in music mm. uh, than they used to. I, I, I think it's important to sing. I, I think it's important to sing uh, the way you want to sing. And if you want to sing in an accent that makes it easier for you and appeals to more people, then do it. But, um, you know, also, I think we have, we're in a place now where it's acceptable to do whatever you want. You know, if you, you know, we have a, a fairly vibrant rap scene in Scotland now as mm. well. You know, there's... You know, there's no rules anymore, which is great. You know that, that we seem to. It's like you've said earlier. It does seem to be a. Now that we've become, everyone has access to all this music globally and every sort of music you can possibly imagine. It, the musically, there's, there's such a, a great. Uh, I don't want to say melting pot because that's a terrible term, isn't it? But I, it's the only thing that's coming to mind. Uh-huh, you know? I know what you mean. Scottish indie bands who perform in Scottish accents are known all over the world now. 
Bands like Frightened Rabbit and The Twilight Sad gained success on the world stage in the past couple of decades. Scotland's hip-hop scene is perhaps a little less widely known, but is also thriving. Rusty nail on a stick to beat you with the irony Forget the rivalry, I took some time to hibernate Look lively mate, I'm trying to be alive again Hi, I'm Dave, I'm the hardest guy in the library Don't lie to me Dave Hook raps under the name Solarai and with the band Stanley Odd. High rise with me, fly away while sirens rage. My touch is my deceit with golden age variety. Dry my eyes, matey, with Mike Skinner's original piracy. We'll pilot in this hovercraft silently through cyberspace. Is that a matrix? Scottish hip-hop has existed almost as long as hip-hop has, first taking root in the cities in the 1980s. But Dave started doing hip-hop before he knew that the scene existed. Probably everybody that started rapping in Scotland, certainly of my generation, maybe maybe it's becoming less the case, would would have started rapping in an American accent because it was all we'd heard. And so pre like internet, I wasn't aware that there were other people in Scotland that had rapped before me. You, and you were in this little micro. I, I grew up in Airdrie, and as far as I knew, nobody else certainly in Airdrie and Coat Bridge rapped. So you didn't have like a group of other people that you could kind of vibe off or people that you could find that had done it before. It was a group called Back and Beyond actually who'd released a, a rap track, I think they were from Cumbernauld, um, in, in their own accents. But so it's a really, it was a gradual process of like mimicking, the same as what you're saying on a, on a wider scale, mimicking the, uh, the voices and the accents that you'd heard. Full of cider I drew on a tiger's face and went out to paint the town violet when the gyro came. What lies in wait for live debate? I tried to enlighten some right-wing apes. Took my time to state the case for peace, immigration and climate change. But they were more anti-inciting hate. So initially, Dave was kind of going it alone. His hip-hop heroes were American and used language very different from his. Learning to rap in his own voice, he didn't really have anyone to model himself on. He had to find his own way. First of all, I, I guess you started to learn about the social referencing and the storytelling bit of it, and how that was um, quite like that was a core element of it. So for me, I started writing my own stories, but I still had a false accent. <laughs> and then finally, there's this sort of awakening moment where you realise like there's no way I can tell these stories. I can't tell stories about like potholes and uh, <laughs> bottles of Mary Down and rough cast and you know and, and like wee central Scotland stories and make them and have a false accent that wouldn't ring true to American and wouldn't ring this true to someone in Scotland. Dave suggests that while singing in an American or English or transatlantic accent is still a choice that some Scottish musicians can take. In hip hop it's pretty essential to use the language of your local area. I remember doing it and the guys that I was working with at the time like not being impressed because we were all young guys and going, you're ruining that by doing it in a Scottish accent and trying to go, but no, I thought about this and you can't not do it in your own voice. Um, and then the thing, you know, you're saying about like being comfortable with hearing your own voice, it takes a long time mm. to find a way of presenting yourself that is, like you say, is authentic and is true to yourself and is true to the culture that you're representing, but you're also comfortable hearing <laughs> you know and happy with how you're delivering it so it takes a long time to do that and we in Scotland are at a slight disadvantage there because it is only in the last 20 odd years 20-30 years that we've started to hear our own accents in, in popular music. 
Because of the linguistic differences and cultural differences, Dave reckons that hip-hop works a little bit differently in Scotland than it does elsewhere. But he loves the way that the spirit of hip-hop culture has found a new context in Scotland. Any language just has an alternative range of shapes and sounds to use to make interesting patterns with. And for me, what I love about writing in my own like language and in my own dialect is that um, it, it gives you unique phrases and shapes to put together that you couldn't say in other ways. So like what rhymes in one accent doesn't rhyme in another accent. And, and that's a brilliant thing because it means it does give you new ways of saying things um, and new ways of expressing like universal feelings. So that that to me is what's beautiful about playing with your own language. And then it's about mediating between different um, dialects and, and sort of a, if we have a, like a universal dialect, more broadly speaking, like a, a transatlantic way of expressing things in music, and then we have more local ways of expressing it, then often I'm trying like within lyrics to mediate between the two because I want to be part of global hip-hop culture. I want to represent that on a UK level and I want to represent what's going on locally at the same time. Welcome to the pageant, I'm fine, thanks for asking. Weaving the ratchet, bumping Bell and Sebastian. The last bastion, full body cast sat laughing. Dancing with flashbacks from full metal jackets. Crash fashion, crashing fags pulling up. I think what what's different about hip hop is that there's no option other than to have you speaking your own accent. So like in most sung art forms, it's still a choice depending on like the style that you're working in or whatever. Um, whereas in rap, um, the things that you're talking about about authenticity and and, and realness and like truth in in your performance are rooted in really representing yourself locally. So local accent is has to be at the front of that. No matter how much using your own voice is part of what you do for a living, I think um, the cr- like that cringe, which was infinitely worse, I think, like decades ago, is still a real thing. I also think it's interesting, as a result, how Scottish people play with language and words. From the freezer, chest filled with ether, Stanley Odd stretched across your bird's breasts in a t-shirt. Come on, kid, you don't want this, so stay at home. I call these Aggie cats Nike cos they're air so and it's probably been a, potentially been like a barrier to Scottish rap reaching a wider audience. Um, but I think the, that authenticity within the Scottish rap community has resulted in, and per, perhaps just that kind of like not becoming a commercial entity in any way, shape or form has allowed it to become a really diverse and really um, high quality um, output across Scottish hip-hop. Speaking to these three Scottish performers, I got really different perspectives, which probably isn't surprising given that they started performing at different times and they all play very different genres of music. Maybe where they differed the most in their perspectives was when I asked them, the voice that you use in your music, is that you or is it an instrument separate from you? Yeah. So for you, do you think... Do you think of your singing voice as being 
like a separate instrument? No, not no, not so much. No, I think. I mean, I actually find myself toning down my attempts at singing in the studio. If I just if I change my accent very slightly, I can sing much better. But then I start to sound like someone else, and it really annoys me. So I, you know, it's. I mean, even now. I, it's taken me a while to get to a point where I'm happy with the voice that I have and still retain the character. I would be very embarrassed if my, if I listened to my singing voice and it sounded like the way I speak. I would find that, yeah, embarrassing for some reason. The singing voice is for public consumption and the the speaking voice is... is that's your, your personality is invested in your speaking voice. Not really in your in your singing voice. I mean, obviously, it must be in your singing voice, and maybe the the audience identify with oh, that's that personality. You're projecting, you're projecting a song, which is not nothing to do with your personality. Not even if the song's autobiographical, it's still it's it's a story that's out there in the world for, yeah, for public consumption. That's really interesting. So, do you think your speaking voice has more to do with you than your singing voice? Yeah, I mean, if I'm going to say I love you to my girlfriend, I'm not going to sing it to her. You know, <laughs> I, you know. Because it's not going to be sincere, you know. <laughs> I love you. Shut up. <laughs> so yeah, it's, it seems to me that that that's the authentic, the authentic me with all the flaws and complexities and bad sides and all that sort of stuff, is in the speaking voice, and that's. And and the singing voice is definitely a, it's, it's a construction to to express, creative ideas or to tell stories or something. So do you think of it as being a character when you're performing? Is it different from you? I think that we're always performing characters. So in that respect, it's not different from me. It's different elements of me. Mm -hmm. So every part of every part of your life is a performance to a certain degree. So you're, you know, in terms of the identity that you choose to present and the identity parts of yourself that you choose for people not to see. So I don't see it as a character that I've created that. Isn't that it, it doesn't represent me, but I see it as different, be, putting different parts of yourself forward, in the same way that you don't share everything about yourself with every person that you meet. So this huge change has occurred in Scottish music during my lifetime. When I was born in 1989, it was pretty much only folk musicians who used Scottish language in their music. When non-folk musicians started. A lot of people initially found it jarring, but in recent years it's been the done thing, with big international bands like Churches, Frightened Rabbit, Twin Atlantic, Las Vegas and The Twilight Sad taking Scots on tour with them across the world. There's been another big change in my lifetime, the internet. When I was a little kid, internet access was a far-off dream for families like mine. As a teenager, I fought with my family for 20 minute shots on the internet, which came through the phone line. During those 20 minutes, I could access all of the music in the world. And that access grew as my access to the internet did. Both Aidan and Dave connected the change in Scottish music with the rise of the internet. It's a paradox, but it kind of makes sense to me. As our musical outlook has become more global, our language in music has become more local. As the dynamics of music making and music consumption have changed, musicians have begun to think differently about who they're speaking to and who they're speaking for. The language used in music has diversified. I know that this change isn't particular to Scotland, 
and I'd love to hear about whether you've noticed similar changes in other places and what these have looked like. Get in touch on social media. It's at AccentricityPod on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. You can also visit the website accentricity-podcast.com. The most obvious people to thank for this episode are the three singers I spoke to. Justin Curry, Aidan Moffat and Dave Hook. Thanks so much for taking the time to meet up with me. Thanks to John McDermott for production support and to Seb Philp for the music. Thanks to the newest patrons of the podcast, Nathaniel Zura and Jennifer Smith via Patreon and Faye the Hedgehog Baxter via the donate button on the website. Patreon subscribers get each episode a week early and this week they'll also be getting a couple of special bonus episodes in the form of the full-length interviews with the contributors to this episode. Subscribe via patreon.com slash accentricitypod to hear my attempts to play it cool and not let on that I've basically been listening to Arab Strap's first album on repeat since I was 16. Thanks for listening.